Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. When I say going through, we did it two weeks ago. And, um, and if you guys were here or not here, I'll just give you a real refresher. Um, so if you guys remember, the people of Israel, we'll do my little map. The people of Israel came out of Egypt, and they came into the land of promise, and they were there for a few hundred years. King David rose up, and what did they do? They forgot God. Let me, let me just tell you this. Anybody here, God blessed you and brought you into a place you were not qualified to be in. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a terrifying place to be because you realize, you, anybody feel like a fraud? You're like, hey, 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 I hope they don't find out they're stupid. Uh, but, but the reality is God brings you favor to bring you to places only he can keep you in. Listen, the, I'm, no offense, but the world doesn't need you. It needs God in you. It needs you, God flavor, you flavored God. <laughs> it needs that. It needs you, what you carry. And, we, and when we get it twisted, anybody here, you're like, well, yeah, I am pretty awesome. And then fell flat on your face. Can I get a witness? Right? That is what happened. They're like, yeah, we can hold on to this land of promise. We're pretty awesome. Just because the entire rest of the known world wanted their territory. Literally, the most fought over territory on earth. Seven of the most major battles in one valley alone. This is right in the middle of the, of the best territory, and they tried to do it in their own strength. And what happened is they ended up back in exile in Babylon, over here in Babylon. And anybody here, you lost it all and figured it was over? And because you did it, like you did it yourself, like, you did it well. You figured it was over. Nobody? Blink twice. Okay. All right. You're my people. So the reality is, anybody here, because you feel you did it to yourself, therefore you deserved it, therefore you just needed to write it out. Who do you think Jesus died for? He didn't die for people who, like, accidentally tripped on the sidewalk. He died for people who, knowing what they should do, do the opposite. That's who he died for. I don't know who you all are, but I qualify. Right? This is the people he died for. He didn't die for accidental sinners. He died for professionals. And so, and so, these, and so here they are. They're sitting in, in Babylon, and he says, listen, get comfy. You're going to be there a while. Anybody here? Years, 70 years. He even told them how long they'd be there. And anybody here? You're in your timeout. You're in your consequence. And you don't do it very well. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're in a consequence. You're up in your room stamping. You know, you're going to be in there longer. Right? Get comfy. Get comfy. I'm, and he takes care of him in Babylon. But, he, but even as he's doing it, he said, don't forget who you are. Because those are the two ditches. One is, the other is, Right, and here he says, he says, don't get that, get caught. I mean, focus, grow. But in seventy years, you're coming out. And one of the things I love is the 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 city of Jerusalem fell in 586 BC. They came back fifty years later. But I thought you said seventy years. You know why? He dated it to the first time the city fell. Aren't you glad he does the math and not you? Like he's like he's like, yeah, we're gonna round up twenty years. It's all good. 
right? Jesus is doing math in your favor. He's not holding out on you. You and I, you, wait, what? Favorable settlements. Like, hey, we'll cut 20 years off your sentence. He is for you. The lie is he's holding out on you. The lie is he's your enemy. But I love what it says in Colossians. When we were enemies of God in our own minds, the battle between you and God is all in your head. He has never been against you. He's always been for you. And so, so here's the deal is um, 70 years later, they come back. And what I love is, so who screwed up the land of promise? The Israelites, right? The Jews, they messed it up. Guess what? They blew the whole wad. Guess what? When God sent them back, King Cyrus sent them back with a full expense paid trip. He paid for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. We didn't deserve that. It's like it's grace or something. God's grace is not just to keep you from dying. It's to help you clean up the mess you made. I, no, that's just the glory. All right. <laughs> so this is really important. God wants to do it with you. But here's the funny thing. They were given money to rebuild Jerusalem. Anybody know where this is going? Guess what happened? But here we are. So that they went back in 516. We are now in 445 BC. Anybody do math? Nobody can do math. That, your, your fourth grade teacher is mad at you. 70 more years. 70 more years. What did they do with that stimulus check? Well, that just got awkward. <laughs> Wow, that was really specific. Um, <laughs> anybody here, you blew what God gave you to get you out of the trouble you got in in the first place. You're like, I'm a multitasker. I'm, listen, I can do it twice. Right? Guess what? Anybody here, therefore, you felt you were disqualified at that round of grace. I've got bad news for you. His grace knows no end. And he is after you. <laughs> so here it is it's 445 and we talked about this Nehemiah can we do throw up that verse 1 of chapter 1 Nehemiah he says in the month of Kislev which is like November of that year in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa Susa now has been beaten has taken over now Susa is up here Susa is the capital of the Persian Empire the greatest empire the world has seen up to this point some would say the first truly world empire on just unbelievable power Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of the other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And he found out it was bad, that they had, they had built, they had tried 20 years prior to build walls, 50 years after the fact, and every time they would build walls, they get, they, the people would come in and tear the walls down. Why? Because if you have walls, you can keep people out. Anybody here had trouble with your boundaries? Yeah. The reality, anybody here, every time you set a boundary with someone, it's just they bring out the bulldozer and rip it down. So here they are, and they're just like, ah. And then at that point, what do you start to believe about yourself? They're, that Maybe it's addiction. I will never do that again. Okay. Right? In that point, he's like, what do you start to believe? Is you start to believe I'm worthless, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, it will never get better. Now my question is, is that what God thinks of you? 
God always speaks a better word, and we can either allow our circumstances, even what we've done, to be the determiner of our life, or we can allow what he says of our life. Funny thing about the name Nehemiah is his name means comforter. We'll get there in a minute. Who else is called comforter? Holy Spirit. Hold that in your hat. All right, so here's the deal. We, we had this whole thing. It said that he was so grieved, he began to fast and pray. He's crying out. He's weeping. He's repenting for his sins. Why is he repenting for his sins? First of all, we can tell you 100% he was a very bad Jew. You know how I know? What is a Jew supposed to do once a week? Do nothing. Do you think the king was going to let him do nothing? Anybody know like the work, the work schedule in the White House? It's 24-7 for four years straight. Listen, if he, his job, he was the cupbearer of the king. He was the CFO of the entire, uh, the chief financial officer for the entire Persian empire. Here he is. He's this, he, and on top of this, he ate every single food and every single drink the king ate beforehand to make sure it didn't have poison. No stress on your job. You think you have a stressful job? You're like, my boss is out to get me. No, my boss isn't out to get me. Everybody else is, right? And so here he is. He's in this place. He has the ear of the king. He stands next to the king all the time. He is with him. Most likely he was a eunuch. He didn't have much of a love life. He had nothing else going on. He was there 24-7. So he wasn't a good Jew. On top of this, do you think the king of Persia, what, were there some dietary rules for Jews? Do you think the Persian king cared about those? He probably had a thing for barbecue. Eli, I like me some bacon. Is it Jewish bacon? Is it kosher? No, no. So here he is. He is violating his faith to be here. Anybody here, you've been in a job and you know God brought it to you, but a little way along the way, you started carving the, cutting off the corners? Three of us? Four of us? Okay. Nobody? Wow, that's really good. Okay, but anyway, so here he is. He's not in the best place, but his heart is gripped. I don't care where you are, God can reach your heart. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how bad you sold out. He can reach you, and he can reach you in the place. He doesn't have to get you out of there to reach you. Anybody here, you're thinking something has to change externally for me to be, get breakthrough. Uh-uh. Starts on the inside. And so he is gripped. He is gripped. He is gripped. And remember, he said in the month of Kislev. Well, now we have the month of Nisan. I'm so glad this is clear. Anybody here, like, you read things in the Bible, and you're like, I know those words have meaning. I have no idea what they mean. Well, if I don't know what they mean, what could I do? There's this thing called the Internet. You can do some research on your own, but I did it for you to save us time. So let's just, can we go to the next thing? The month of Nisan. So this part, we pick up the scene here, said, um, uh, oh, sorry, can we get, is there a calendar somewhere? There it is. There it is. Ooh. Man, it shifted it for me. Thank you, PowerPoint. All right, so here's the deal. Kislev, Nehemiah hears about it in Kislev. It's, see, they have a Hebrew calendar was a lunar calendar, meaning every time there was a new moon, they had a new month. Anybody know that the lunar calendar and the solar calendar, 365 days of the year, are different? So watch what happened. It goes Kislev, Tevat, Shevat, and then it goes Adar, Adar 1, and Adar 2. Why? Because they had the last month, Every 13 or 17 years or so, they would add in an extra month to make the calendars work. So here he is. Anybody here, you've had an extra month added to your calendar? You know what I mean? You're like, we're almost there. We're almost. Are we there yet? One more month, right? And it's like, so here he is. What we know is between Kislev and Nisan, the interesting thing about Nisan is that's when Passover happened. It's when the people were brought out of Israel, I mean, out of Egypt. 
So here's the deal. Between 120 days and 178 days, four to six months, he is sitting on this in pain. And the pain is getting worse. Destiny hurts. Don't get it twisted. Destiny hurts. Who here have had kids discover that to be true? No. Who here, if you desire what God has for you, it begins to hurt. You long for it. And it hurts. Remember, remember, remember the line. Give me children or I die. Come on. We are made for something. There's things in us. But if you live with the pain very much longer, what do you start doing? You turn it down, don't you? You turn it down. You try to become numb to it. But I would submit to you, it is that hunger, that pain, the pain that comes from the gap between where I am and where I'm called to be, because what is and what's supposed to be. That is the invitation of God to enter into his sufferings. It's the hunger he has to bring the breakthrough. And so here he is for four to six months. He's doing a day job. He, uh, I'm really struggling with something in Jesus, so uh, I need a break, buddy. I'm just going to go on a fast, and I, I'm going to do a little retreat. Do you think he got that from the king? Listen, you do not need to run away. God will meet you where you are. You don't need to change something externally for God to invade you and to begin to transform you to bring about what he's called you to do. Each of us have things in our heart that burn, that hurt, that he wants to bring change to. Don't change the subject. For four to six months, listen. Okay, so... If I were to do this, we'd have an interesting, especially if y'all were honest, this would be very interesting. All of us have our off, off, off switch point, the point where we're like, enough. Some of us, it's 30 minutes, <laughs> right? We're like, I'm uncomfortable. I'll go to the refrigerator. I'm uncomfortable, right? And you know where, where it is, the discomfort comes, and I turn on something, I do something, I go to some behavior. We all have our off switch. Nehemiah, some way or somehow, stays in this place for four to six months. Now, ladies who have given birth, how about those last six months? <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't turn it off, right? There's a discomfort that comes in this. And we can't change the subject if we don't, if we want God to bring about the change. Now, notice in this, Nehemiah's not scheming, he's not tricking, he's not trying to make something happen. This is really important. Who here got tired of waiting and decided to make your own uh, breakthrough? His own Ishmael, your own Boaz. <laughs> You know the clip. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> no, but what happens is he doesn't make his own way. When we are hurting, when we're waiting, we want to make our own way, don't we? We get tired of waiting. But does anything good come out of it? No. So what happens is, here we go. So let's come back up there. Verse 1. It says, in the 20th king, uh, year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, in other words, the king's wanting to relax, kick back, have a few brewskis with the boys. I took the wine and I gave it to the king after taking a sip, right? And, you, and I wonder what their delay was. They're like, everybody just watches him for like five minutes. Twitching? Nothing? Okay, good. All right, everybody drinks on him, right? Anyway, I, I just think what a crazy job. Imagine putting that on your resume. Anyway, 
I had not been sad in his presence before. You know why he'd never been sad in the presence of a king before? Because it was illegal and punishable by death. <gasps> I don't know about you, I would have had clips. You know, <laughs> just so I didn't accidentally frown. Literally, it was illegal to be unhappy in the presence of the king. Uh, once again, do you think your boss has unrealistic expectations? <laughs> At least he can't hand out the death penalty. All right, so here he is. You know, his job's stressful enough, right? Here he is, he says, I, but remember, he said he was waiting. He, if you remember the end of verse 1, he was waiting. What was he doing while he was waiting? Waiting is not passive. If it's passive, we can't maintain it. You can't stay in a frozen spot for very long. God will give you strategy how to wait actively without making an Ishmael, without doing something. So let's figure out what he did. I took, okay, and so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? At this point, I would become incontinent. I mean, just like, God, why do you say that, okay? So when you are not ill, I guess he knew because he was drinking and he was okay. He's like, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. Now, if Nehemiah was not ready, to he would not have risked the death penalty with what he's about to do right now. You and I will miss the life-changing opportunity to step into our destiny if we're not ready. That's what was happening in the four to six months. It was getting him ready. Say, it's worth it, Lord. Remember Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego? Okay, even though you, if you, you have power maybe to kill us, but he will save us. Even if he doesn't, we won't bow. Listen, that doesn't happen in a moment. We talked about and suddenlies. This is an and suddenly moment. And suddenlies always happen on the backside of progress process. Um, Jasmine had said yes to God to saying no to, to this strange place of saying no to a semester of school, but yes to her destiny to finish the degree. Anybody been in that place where you're like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, these don't make sense. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Are you caught in this place where your two yeses to Jesus don't line up? She had said yes, and then God began to move on her behalf. Listen, listen, if you're waiting on checks in the mail, but you are waiting in the armchair laid back in front of the TV, you're going to miss it. Say lie. All right. So I, I was very much afraid. Listen, why? That just shows he was, he, he was not drinking too much of the wine. He was terrified. Listen. If you follow Jesus, you will be terrified. You all who have started businesses, gone out fully on your own, how terrified were you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying yes to Jesus in destiny, if it's not terrifying, you haven't been doing it right. Just say it. He said, I said to the king, may the king live forever. <laughs> Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins? Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Do you think he thought the king would care? The king had thousands of cities in his domain. The city that should have been built, rebuilt by Cyrus's money, where they blew it, do you think he cares? In the natural, no. But this is Nehemiah stepping in. He's not trying to manipulate. He's simply laying down the case. All right, moving on. The king said to me, what is it you want? Now we find out what he's been doing for four to six months. This is so important. What is it you want? Uh, uh, good question, King. 
Anybody know it? If God were to come to you right now, if, if the king were to come to you in the area of your pain and say, what do you want? Would you have an answer? Would you have a specific answer? Or would it just be, I want a million dollars. <laughs> right? I want a man. What kind of man? Two arms, two legs, and a head. <laughs> Could you be more specific? Working on it. <gasps> right? Do you know what you want? How specific you are determines how specific you get. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. <laughs> Who are my flare prayer people? Jesus! <laughs> right? When you're about, he knows. He's like, you know, burn the ships. We're going in. Right? There comes a moment in your destiny. Who here? Guys, remember, especially those of you who planted businesses, there's this moment when you have to go all in. Right? You know, you're like, oh, that moment is do or die. But that's the moment of your breakthrough. That is a moment. If you, try, if you want a destiny free of risk, you ain't ever going to get it. Anybody found that, uh, like, for instance, relationships. I, I get people like, I don't want to be alone anymore. Well, then have relationships. People are scary. <laughs> right? You have to make a choice. Oh, praise to the God of heaven. And I answered the king. We're going for it. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him. Now, remember, we talked about this. The king trusted his entire life to Nehemiah. Who's he going to trust when the Nehemiah is gone? Why would the king want to lose his best guy, the guy he trusts all the finance of the kingdom to? If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Jer Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. Come on. Well, that's pretty audacious on so many levels. We don't even have time to, uh, to rebuild it. Come on. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? Are you ready to answer those kind of questions in the place of your destiny? The pain in waiting is what gives you the answers. Who here has applied for a business loan? How much information are they going to want on you? <laughs> They're like, tell me about your great-great-grandfather. <laughs> you know, like, like, like you got to have answers for everything. What are you going to do with this money? When are you going to pay it back? I don't want people all up in my stuff. Well, then you don't want destiny. Because destiny happens in the midst of community. It happens in the midst of community. It happens with people who are in your stuff. And they said, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? Anybody here, you've been, ah, the Lord says I have this great destiny. And people ask you uncomfortable questions. You know what I'm talking about? Like realistic ones? And you're like, shut up. You're, you're raining on my parade. Right? No, that's called iron sharpens iron. That's what family's for. To ask the hard question. How long? When will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. He, you, so what he's doing is he's going, what kind of a question are you asking? Right? He's trying to read the king. Do I go all, all, all in? And so I said to him, if it pleases the king, May I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, this is this area up here, that he'll have to pass through to get there, but also have nominal control over this area. They, and so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. That's a pretty practical thing, isn't it? God is obsessed with the practical because it's his will on earth as it is in heaven. Earth. Come on. So, sorry, back up. Sorry, my bad. So that, okay, moving on. Sorry, I, you were right. And they, 
I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, may I have a letter to ASAP? Man, he's, he's, man he, he's been working this out, man. He's been practicing with this three by fives by the mirror, right? <laughs> to a letter to ASAP, the keeper of the royal park, so will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and the residence I will occupy. <gasps> man, I mean, he's just probably spinning these out so fast. And because, so see how specific that was? He's looking for financial uh, provisions, safety. He's working out all the details. When somebody asks you hard questions, they're not doing it to stand in your way. They're doing it. They're sent by God to prepare you for the way. When people ask you hard, this is why there's a body. Listen, this is why we're not all online. Because being together, being next to one another, who here find it uncomfortable with people? <laughs> and you were like, okay, where are my people? And you're like, if I had my brothers, I'd still be in COVID. I'm still in lockdown. <laughs> like, no, it's uncomfortable to do life with people who can see into our stuff. What if we are a people who are not looking to trip each other up, but lift one another up, boost each other up? We are meant to lift one another up, but sometimes that means, hey, hey, by the way, uh, your zipper's down. <laughs> oh, there, your, your, your shoes are untied. Oh my gosh, you're always looking for fault in me. No, I don't want you to fall. It's okay. Just putting that. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my request. Man, I bet this guy was sweating so much. Moving on. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letter. And the king also sent army officers and cavalry with So not only does he get what he asked, he gets more. Why is this important? This is, it, this is a hundreds of mile journey that is very dangerous. He didn't even think of that. And God provided it. God knows what you need, even if you don't know what you need. Who here, you'll only go once you know everything. You will never go. How will I know if this person will ever betray me? You won't. Seeing as they happen to be a human being, the odds are 50-50. <laughs> no. So when Sanballat and Haranite, the Haranite and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed and opened a welcome wagon for me that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Okay, who here, when you said yes to Jesus, you thought everybody would be happy for you? Listen, I can tell you one person right off who's not happy when you say yes to Jesus. Can you guess who it is? You have an enemy. You have an enemy. And when you begin to bring heaven to earth, it threatens the places that are not like heaven on earth. And there are people who have been taking advantage of people. Sam Ballot, the Horonite. Okay, so you guys remember from last week's history lesson, Israel was divided into two parts. The northern part, the rich part, they sold out the fastest. Moving on. All right, so they sold out the fastest. We'll call them the money people. And they never made it back to destiny. They disappeared. The 10 tribes disappeared. The southern part, the cheap seats, they, the upper balcony, whatever you want to call it, they, they are the ones who came back. So they're here. But what happened is they moved into this area. So they moved out all the wealthy and the powerful. They left the poor and the weak. And then they moved in powerful people from other tribes that they had conquered in other cities. 
And those people intermarried. And so by the end, the Samaritans weren't Jews at all. Samballot, the Horonite, is one of them. So he's the one who took over while people were missing in action. Tobiah the Ammonite. The Ammonites are the people who are the enemies of Israel from the time of the Exodus. Anybody here, you're shocked when people are against you? Now stay with me. Somebody telling you to, to tie your shoes is not against you. Anybody are ditches? Our ditches are everybody's for me, everybody's against me, right? One's a persecution complex and the other is delusional. Listen, we need people who are going to iron sharpens iron, but there are people who will oppose you in the, in the devil. <laughs> I mean, they'll do it. And Tobiah the Ammonite is just like, and then there's another guy who shows up later. He's Gesha the Arab. He's Gesha the Arab. He's, 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 he's from Arabia. He's from, so basically, these are the mafia. These are the local, the government mafia. I mean, in Russia, this would work perfectly. But it was just, it was literally, you know, the government mafia complex. And so these guys have been uh, pillaging and plundering for the last hundred years or so. And who, so when heaven comes to earth, who gets threatened? The abuser, the oppressor, the dominator, the controller. Listen, you, if you say yes to Jesus, you will stir up a hornet's nest. Don't get it confused. But also, don't let the hornet's nest determine your destiny. Because I'll watch this, because the other ditch is, oh yeah, I now have a Sanballat Tobiah ministry. I'm focusing on beating Sanballat. No, what's Nehemiah's call? Nehemiah's call is to rebuild the wall. You have a call, and it's a positive call. Don't let the enemy create a negative call out of it. Uh, or backing up one more, I'd probably... Don't need to, but there we go. Yeah, it just stirred that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Listen to me. If you have a call on your life, and you do, by the way, just saying, your call is not about you. It's not about you being awesome. It's not about you being amazing. It's not about you being able to go to the Turks and Caicos. It's not about that. It is about the welfare of others. Do you know the number one reason why the people got kicked out of the land of, of promise? Because they abused the poor. Over and over again, in, in Isaiah, he says, you want to know the kind of fast? Because they were doing all the fasts and the feasts, and he said, I want a fast of injustice. Your call, if your call is just about you, it's survival. And it's not a call. God says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Another way to put that is, you let me care about you, and, and then you care about what I care about. Uh, if you care about what I care about, then I'll take care of you. Does that make sense? It's not about you. It's about others. Moving on. I went to Jerusalem. Okay, I, I don't you love scripture? Like, 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 what happened? Like, this was like three months. Like, you know, we missed that three months. Three months of hard travel. He had been living in the lap of luxury. Susa was the most modern city in the world. I mean, you know, he was like, um, can I get reservations at the Ritz-Carlton in Jerusalem? Uh, uh, you mean the donkey shed? <laughs> right? Like, if you want to go with God, you're going to need a comforter. Because he, he will lead you to discomfort. Again, who here, you said yes to God and you do a business. And it meant 30-hour weeks. <laughs> it meant sleep like a baby. 
No, no. If you say yes to a destiny, you will miss sleep. Anybody found that to be true with children? You will lose you will lose a lot of the, the comforts of life. That's why you need a comforter. I went to Jerusalem. And I'm going to say this. Is Nehemiah had a call. His, he was comforter. He was a comforter to the king. He could take comfort in the fact he was walking in his destiny. But do you know there's levels of destiny? Maybe you're walking in your destiny small d, but God's got more. <clears throat> Sorry, back up. I didn't finish that one. I do know that one. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. All right. Next one. Thank you. I had told, I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Okay. All right. Who are my people? I'm a verbal processor. The minute you get something from God, you're like, ah, I've got to tell everybody. Come on. I'm not alone. Seriously throwing me under the bus like that. I know you people. You're like, <laughs> yes. No. He said, I did not tell anyone. I noticed something years ago. Early on in walking with Jesus, every time something God would give me a, a hope, a vision of the future, what he was going to do, a word, I would run around and tell everybody. And do you know what would happen? It would never come to pass. I thought the word of God never failed because I did not incubate the word. If you take an embryo out of the womb in the first week, what will happen to that embryo? The seed out of the ground. What will happen? Same thing. When God speaks a word to you, it has to be incubated. First of all, who here, when you hear a word from God, you jump to conclusions about what it's going to be and how it's going to be fulfilled? Every single time. <laughs> Every single time. I, God, I, I, talking with God, I'll be like, well, is it going to be like this? And he's like, well, you're just guaranteeing the ways I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Anybody found that to be true? When you figure out how he's going to do it, you just guarantee that he's like, check that one off. I'm a creative God. I don't do repeats. I had not told anyone. This is so important. Be really, if you, ha you, we have to learn to incubate things in our heart. Remember what it said about, about Mary. Mary has three kings show up bringing prophecy. She bringing gold and silver and myrrh. She's had, she's had angels and she's had shepherds. And, but at the same time, she's living in a completely different world, right? She's living in poverty. She's living unrecognized. Right? And wondering, and 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 potentially shame as a as a, a single mother in that in that or a unmarried mother at that point. So here she is in this dichotomy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you say yes to Jesus, part of you is like, ah! and the rest of you are like this. Ah! Who are my people? Okay, thank you. People are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. My whole life is easy. No, there will be this gap. Remember, I talked about the gap. And it said what she did is, what did she do? She treasured all these things in her heart and pondered them. You know what pondered means? What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Right? She stayed in this place of wonder. And it's a hard place because 30 years, nothing happened. 28 years, because the wise man came when he was two years old. So 28 years. Okay, anybody here been waiting 28 years? 39? Well, Moses had you at 40, so, so we're still in the realm of possibility, right? So the reality is, is when we're waiting on the Lord, there's this tension to stay, and, we, and we, there's many things we have to ponder in our heart rather than putting out there for everybody. Does that make sense? 
I didn't tell anybody what was there. And, and also, one of the things is, have you ever, you didn't do this, but I do this, is I get a word from, I would get a word from the Lord. I'd run around and try to get people to uh, join me in it. Like, join me, join me, join me, join me. Like, be a part of my fan club. Agree with me. The reality is, you have a call that is unique. Nobody else has. Nobody can agree with you for your call the way you can. And it's not a substitute. No, you can't lean on the agreement of others. You need to say yes to Jesus for you. I had told, I had not told anybody, but God had put in my heart to do. There was no, so you got to imagine, this guy rolls up. He is the biggest, he's the big cheese. He's the biggest guy in all of the Persian Empire. He rolls into town and everybody's like, what you doing here? Taking a vacation. Uh, no, seriously, what you doing here? Yeah, man, they're like getting their books in order. They're like all freaked out. He doesn't tell anybody anything. What do you think he's doing those first three days? Recon, recon. See, when we open our mouths, a lot of times we can't, we stop seeing. Does that make sense? We need to keep our mouths shut and watch. I told, I told, he said, I, what God had put in my heart, there was, and he said, and there were no mounts with me except the one I'm riding on. Why does he say that? The luxury vehicle, the G-Wagon of the time, was a horse. There are no horses in Jerusalem. Like this is, listen, I mean, he probably can't get a decent fig. I mean, he is, this is not comfort. Anybody here, you said yes to Jesus and took a downgrade in your life? Jasmine? <laughs> right? When we say yes to God, you thought everything would be easy peasy, lemon squeezy? No. When we say yes to God, there's many downgrades that happen to be able to step into the upgrade. There was no mount. So moving on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining, doesn't that help? That's so clear. And the, the walls of Jerusalem and had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Let's go to the next one. We'll zoom in on this beautiful map. That larger picture is the map of Israel today. This is what the Israel was, how Jerusalem was, how small it was in that time. This is what it looked like. So he comes out of the valley gate, goes past the, the king's garden, and uh, the, the well there, and then the dung gate, moving on. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night examining the wall. Finally, I returned. So in other words, it, I, I didn't do the arrow, but he keeps going up the wall, just walking on foot. Sometimes you got to get out of your car. Anyway, I turned back and I re-entered the gate. So he's going around this. Let's move to the next one. So this is what the city looked like. He, so the north part up by the, the, um, the temple is where the rich people live, close to power. What, who do you think lived in the portions he went around? Which parts of the city do you think probably had halfway decent walls where the rich people live? What's the parts he's checking out? Why? Because his call is for the welfare of others. He's not just out there going, I'm uh, going to build a wall. Can we get everybody out of the city so I can build a wall? Right? He has a call, but it's, the call is a physical thing, but it's for the sake of others. The officials did not know where I had gone and what I was doing because as yet I said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Um, when we were planting... Um, uh, we were planting a church. One of the things the Lord told us very clearly, he said, don't invite anybody, don't recruit anybody, and don't offer anybody positions. 
that was very uncomfortable. That was very frustrating. We had people over there like, <laughs> I, I, what's a, so what's your recruitment package like? What can we, what kind of package are you offering? It was very uncomfortable. And I, I would be lying if I fully understood his wisdom. Anybody here, God will tell you something, but he won't tell you the why. And so you don't do it until he tells you why. And then you prove out why, but the hard way. <laughs> no, in this thing, he said, okay, God, why? He said, Peter, because they, nobody knows what's in their heart. Do they want to be with you in the call of God in your lives? Or do they just want something? Nobody knows. So don't muddy the pot. Just keep it level. So what he does is he goes, he says, I didn't tell because as yet I said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles of the work who are doing, who, uh, others who would be doing the work. You would think he would tell them they're going to be doing the work. But he's, again, playing close to the vest. Moving on. Then I said to them, you see the trouble who? We, I love something I heard. I think uh, Chris Valentin said, you cannot be a part of the solution to a problem you're not a part of. Unless you are in it. Anybody here had somebody walk into your mouth and go, well, listen, you should, uh, uh, uh. no, no. He's down in there with them. You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild. I want to tell you this. No matter if you are a solopreneur, the call of God on your life is not just for the sake of others, but to create space for others. There has got to be space in your call for others to come alongside. Whatever destiny you have, it will require others because all, all of, of, of the kingdom is, is, the government of the kingdom is family. All of government, all the, the purposes of God are generational. They extend beyond us for the sake of others. And so I said, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Disgrace doesn't mean that they just had a bad a few likes on Facebook. Disgrace means everybody can take advantage of us. Everybody can do whatever the heck. We're, 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 we're being used and abused. I also told them about the grace. Now, again, did he have any disgrace over here as the, as the CFO of the Persian Empire? No disgrace at all. He who had no sin became sin for us. If you want to step into the call of God, you're going to have to step out of the place where you have ease and comfort and grace into a place of disgrace to find he who is grace to be enough for you. He will bite you into problems. He'll bite you into places where only he is enough. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king has said to me. Come on. Notice he, he only says all of this after he's done a recon, after he has been watching people, and he, I mean, he's a, he's a political maestro. Like, he has been, like, you don't be where he is if you can't run, you know, the, the he, he walked in, and these guys are playing child's play level politics, and he's like, yep, duck, 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 goose, right? They replied, what did they say? Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Let us start rebuilding. I really feel that there's something that in all of this for most of us, but I would say a big one is, yes, we're incubating things in private, in, in our heart, but there comes a point, maybe you're at the point where you're incubating in your heart, and you're, maybe you're at the part where you're like, God, I know there's more. I know my heart's made for something. I know my heart hurts for something. I don't know what it is. Lord, show me I don't know what it is, but then there's the other piece. Maybe you've got the word you know, but 
Ugh. He wants you to incubate it. He wants you to show you more detail of the how and the why and the who. But maybe you're at the point where you're walking in it, but you've been trying to do it alone. There comes a point to invite others into that destiny. And it's uncomfortable, and it's scary. It's risky. For a long time, we, we were so happy just doing little ministry things in, in, in Riverstone. We had so much fun. And God was like, do a church. And you're like, yeah, no, we're good. We're good. People are scary. We like people who just come and go. But, but you know what I'm saying? And he's like, no, you need to do things with people. It's risky, isn't it? Anybody found people are a risk? Come on. We can have the worship team come up. Oh, thank you, my man. Oh, you are amazing. Awesome. No, it really, it really is so uncomfortable to say yes to Jesus. But I love that line. Most men live lives of what? Quiet desperation. We were made for destiny. We were made for purpose. Depression, despair, all these things come up from not saying yes. We're made for purpose and destiny. Listen. If you've been living a life of quiet desperation, here's your day. Let's just rise up. If we could stand. Father, I ask right now that you would, you've been speaking to us pretty strong all morning, Lord. Lord, we want to give you our yes. Whether it's yes, give me a word. Show me my call, my destiny. Whether it's I will be quiet, I will incubate, I will, I will wrestle with this. Whether it's, it's, it's I want to invite other people, I want to risk, I want, show me your plans, whatever it is. Lord, we want to say yes to you. We love you. Amen.